We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 239. Our guest today is an international five-star three-day eventer, trainer at Level 4 USEA ICP Certified Instructor based at Last Frontier Farm in Summit Point, West Virginia. She has over 25 years of experience as a professional equestrian. She's well-respected and a dedicated horsewoman who always seeks to do her best by putting her horses first. She has had 10 visits to the Land Rover Kentucky three-day event, and she has represented the United States in FEI Eventing Nations Cup competitions and was a reserve rider at the 2018 FEI World Equestrian Games. She is also a USDF silver medalist and has competed in pure show jumping as well. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Sharon White. I know you are so busy. You just finished a huge week in Kentucky, Um, but I would love to talk a little bit about how you kind of got to where you are today. But first, let's start from the beginning. We'll rewind. How did you first kind of find yourself in the equestrian world? When I was about 12, when when your parents are or um, searching for those things for their children to do, right? So you take, I think I took piano lessons and flute lessons and ballet lessons and ice skating lessons <laughs> and <laughs> all of the things that my wonderful parents, um, you know, tried to expose me to. And my mom had always wanted to have a horse and could never afford to have one. Um, and then in school, she tried out for the riding team, but it wasn't good enough and didn't make it. <laughs> and so I guess not having a horse would not make you good enough to right. do that. <laughs> that would help. <laughs> and so she was like, let's go take riding lessons. And it was not something we had never really, I'd never really thought about a horse, had never um, we didn't really discuss it. You know, we didn't have horses. It wasn't a part of my life. Uh, but I was like, sure, I'm game. And we literally stood in the kitchen and she opened up the yellow pages and <laughs> found a local riding school. Uh, we were in Virginia at that point and the Great Falls Horse Center, which was a local lesson program and they happened to be eventers there. And that was my first experience with horses. So we went out and we took lessons together. And my mom was much better than I was since I had never ridden before. But it was, I would say, love it. First experience, exposure. The, mm-hmm. There's something about the smell of a horse that <laughs> really yes. um, does it for me. So it was an instant, oh, this, this is, this is, I would like to be around horses. So I ended up being um, a working student at this, at the Great Falls Horse Center. We got a dollar an hour. I worked every weekend, wow. you know, and the, all that dollar an hour went towards lessons and it has grown from there. Wow. That's so cool. At, at what point were you like, I like, I kind of want to like do this for my career. I could see myself doing this the rest of my life. Um, so I guess that was 
would have been a couple years in because I, you know, was in school and taking my riding lessons. And then I thought, I just really love this. And I was always going to follow in my mom's footsteps and go to the school she went to. She went to Smith College and I was going to go there and I was good in school and, you know, would have done something probably in the academic world. Um, but the more involved I did with horses, I thought they, they make me so happy. And then I thought, well, I could be a groom. I could be a really good groom because that it didn't cross my mind. I could be a rider. And, um, so that was sort of something to think about. And then I kept riding and I kept working for people. Um, and then one day I was like, oh no, I can actually, I'm actually okay at this. I could yeah. do this. <laughs> and so that was that. And I, I did end up going to school. I went to George Mason University in night classes because my parents told me you, you have to get a degree because you have to know you don't have to do horses. We don't know if you can make a living doing it. It's a hard way to make a living. Um, and we can't help you. So they said, you need to have something to fall back on. So I worked for Olympian Torrance Watkins all throughout school and went um, worked for her during the day and then went to night classes, got my degree and then ended up going up to Bruce Davidson's. So I've worked for some of the best eventers in the United States growing up mm -hmm. and that was my education. And then I went out on my own. And now you operate out of Last Frontier Farm. What was the journey like getting your own facility? Was that kind of always part of the plan once you decided you wanted to do this? Um, also one of those things that never crossed my mind, I did not think I would able, ever be able to afford to buy a farm. Um, I was renting, uh, my parents were both working, um, in Washington, DC. I rented a farm in the suburbs of, um, the city and my mom was diagnosed with a brain tumor and was given six months to live. Wow. So she, which was obviously that was life changing for all involved. Um, but my mom who has, is now deceased, but is the strongest, most fighting woman I had ever met in my entire life. And she lived for 12 years um, with that. And wow. she said, you know, she said, I want to find a farm. I want to be closer to you. Um, just a place, you know, with maybe a field where we can put the retired horses. So the farm, um, Last Frontier Farm used to be Brandenburg Farm and it's in West Virginia. And I knew the owners of it, um, Jorg and David. So I came out here and said, you know, every, it's West Virginia, things are cheaper and we're just looking for a place if you hear of anything. And then they came out to where I was renting maybe a week later and said, how would you like to buy our farm? Because we would like to not have it anymore. Wow. Um, they were eventers and I think they really wanted another eventer to have it. And they just made it possible and we all made it work and my parents made it work. And I firmly believe that that is why my mom lived for 12 years um, because of having this place and the hustle and bustle and all of the horses and all of the dogs and all of the things. And she would come out and watch me ride and watch me teach and supervise. And it just you know, it's all because of her and my dad still lives here with me, um, which I, I just am so, so grateful, like so grateful that I had all of that time with my mom. So grateful for my parents for 
showing me how to, you know, work hard, you know, be good, really be grateful for everything you have. And this farm is, it absolutely means the world to me. If you've been here, you know that um, it's a really special spot and I'm, I'm just real lucky. So that's what I'd say. What a great story. That's, that's so cool. And such priceless time that you've been able to have with both of your parents. Absolutely. Right. And it's, it is really, you don't realize when you're like, when it's all happening, like you don't realize what you're in the middle of No, because you're in the middle of it. Right? Totally. So all you're doing is one foot in front of the other and, and trying to take care of, you know, take care of things and, and, you know, ride horses well and do a good job with your students and train well and, and, and educate yourself and, still have all of and be there for your parents and you just don't even realize what's going on when you're in the middle of it and now that I've we've had this farm for now 20 years so now looking back when I tell the story I'm like whoa that was that's quite a story <laughs> really yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh, it's you cool. have you have a big emphasis in your program on training and rumor has it that every January you have hell week a week where your riders are focusing on balance and stability. First off, tell us just a little bit more about what is all involved in that week. Well, Hell Week is um, is quite a week, and it it comes from the legendary Jimmy Wofford, who I did Hell Week um, the first time a long time ago with Jimmy, um, and it is a to come out of winter. Um, it's a week of lunge lessons um, where you uh, have no stirrups, no reins, whatnot. And it is it is to help riders learn independent aids um, to realize how much their own position, their own posture affects their horse and to really give you the confidence and the ability to realize all of the things you can actually do without hanging on to reins right with with absolute trust in your own balance and trust in your horse um so that's the history of it and jimmy made me a few years ago start to take over myself and do it on my own with with being right with being you know only either right there beside me or a phone call away because i'm like what hand is supposed to be where (laughs) (laughs) but um through repetition you learn to do you know you can learn to do anything um hell week is so important to me because it is my philosophy that horses go the way they're ridden um so it is of paramount importance that we understand what our own balance does on them right what it does to them and how much it can actually enhance and make your horse's life easier and your life easier. Um, so it, you know, to me, it's something that absolutely everybody should do. Um, and you can do it to a high level, like we do it where you're doing, um, you know, um, side saddle at the canter and stir up uh, sit-ups at the canter and you can also just do it at a, at a much lower level and just having the confidence to to learn how to walk and trot without reins without irons and feel how much you can influence your horse's balance just with that um, it is absolutely beneficial for anybody you're super committed to educating obviously not your not just your 
students, but um, it seems like just the equestrian community in general around you, just sharing training tips on your Instagram. Um, I know you've been in publications like The Practical Horseman, and I know you just finished up a clinic. So why would you say educating others is so important to you? I would say it's so important to me because it is so important for horses, right? Like that's, if I am helping, um, if I am helping you learn how to um, communicate better with your horse and ride better and ride in a more positive, balanced, easy manner, I am really doing something for your horse. I think that they are um, unbelievably earnest creatures. Uh, They, they are that Winston Churchill says they are the mirror to your soul. That is so true. You know exactly what is going on with somebody by watching their horse go. And that is true of my own horses as well. And it is my horses that have taught me that, right? You get horses to the highest possible level. And there's, if you pay attention, like I have three horses right now at, at the advanced level that are all as different as different could be. I mean, beyond different. And when they all start to do somewhat of the same things, I think, wow, there's only one common denominator here because these horses' personalities are so different. Um, Cooley on show is a very laid back and somewhat lazy horse at home. Um, He's never met anything that he couldn't handle all on his own. Um, Klaus 63 is as emotional as they get and is hyper aware of everything and he tries so hard and he hates when he makes a mistake. Um, And then Cooley Kildare would be not the most athletic creature, but um, willing to give 110% every day. They're all so emotionally and physically different. When they all start to do the same things, I think, wow, you can teach a horse absolutely anything, right? Anything. So therefore, it's, I feel a huge responsibility to one, be as good as I can possibly be for my horses, and two, to share that, because there is nothing better than that communication and that relationship with another being, whether that being is the horse you're riding or, you know, your significant other. It's, it's to me, it's very, it's, um, that communication with another being is such a, is such a wonderful thing that if I can share that with others and help horses along the way and help people along the way, then I, I actually really quite enjoy that. EcoGold has always been on a mission to modernize the saddle pad and improve your horse's safety, comfort, and performance. EcoGold has really continued to be at the forefront of innovation. I personally am so fortunate to be a part of a top team in the Hunter Jumper world at Heslink Williams, and we only use EcoGold's fitted pads for showing. We're in good company because Olympians like Boyd Martin, McLean Ward, Jacqueline Brooks, Jessica Phoenix rely on EcoGold pads every single day. So to get more information about EcoGold, you can visit their website at ecogold.ca. That's E-C-O-G-O-L-D dot C-A. You just came off of a week of competing at the Land Rover Kentucky three-day with Klaus. How did that go for you? I am 
so happy with my horse. Um, I'm so happy with myself as well. Kentucky, I've been going to Kentucky and doing, I did my first um, five-star, what is a five-star now? Was it used, you know, used to be called a four-star in 2001. So I was like, I got there this year. I was like, well, I've been doing this for 20 plus years. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, Milestone. That is a long time <laughs> that you're doing something, right? And I thought of all of the horses I got into that level. And, you know, for my own personal goals, I have, you know, yet to achieve all that I want to achieve but I never give up. Right. So this is, so that you're always working to be better and better and better. And this year in the dressage was the first year I felt I owned it. I got it. Mentally, I was strong. My horse who can be very, very spooky and going into the dressage arena at Kentucky with all of the people and the cameramen and the, it is electric for those horses, right? And you see it every year. Horses absolutely have like, they get so tense. So this year, right? And it's, and they don't, the stands that have people that high above them, right? That is just different for horses. You don't get to experience that very often. So, and they're so fit. They're so fit and ready. So it's a very difficult for them to go in there and be relaxed and focused in the dressage. And that would be super difficult for Klaus on a, just at home on an everyday basis. So he went in there and he stayed with me and gave me his all and was absolutely um, relaxed and focused with me in the dressage. That was a personal high for me. And I thought, all of these, all of these decades of working on this, and it's uh, finally coming to fruition. Um, so I was really thrilled with that. And then jumping, he is a force to be reckoned with, and um, that is definitely my strong suit. So he was super, super both cross country and show jumping. So I couldn't be happier with him. What lessons are you leaving that event with? I would say. Uh, for me personally, <laughs> it's uh, my lesson was I have known this for so long that, you know, when you struggle with something, with a phase, like with something, I'm talking about something very specific at this point in my life. Um, and it can be, you know, to apply this to anybody, you can just struggle with just thinking you're, um, you know, accomplishing, you know, jumping around cleanly or, or, you know, remembering your dressage test. It is through repetition, right? Like just patience and repetition that you will get there. So uh, my takeaway personally from this weekend is, you know, you have gotten there and it's so much simpler than you think it is. <laughs> we totally. tend to make, we tend to make life so complicated and riding so complicated and competing so complicated. And it's actually so simple. You can't believe it. And and to come away from Kentucky feeling like that for me um, really makes me feel like I've taken it to another level. And I, now that I know I can do that, I can also share that with other people. Well, we cannot talk about you competing without talking about the color orange, <laughs> because it seems like that <laughs> yes. is totally your signature color and you can't be missed out on cross country. So does this color have a specific significance to you? Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on orange. It is literally just a happy color. 
It is, it is, it is as simple as that. It was never any strategy. So it has one of the single best marketing tools there ever yeah. was, which I did not realize, right? Um, but you know, when I was learning to ride and and doing the things, my colors were blue and green, like everybody else, right? Because that's right. what she said, right? Yeah, yep. blue and green, right? So those were my colors, and then it somewhat morphed, and you know, and I was like, well, that's kind of you know, it doesn't, it's not really me. And then I had a good friend who said, how about the color? How about mango? And I was like, oh, I really like mangoes. And then I was like, I like orange too, because it's like the color of the sun and it just makes me happy. And so it just morphed into that over time. I love that. I actually just painted my nails orange to match my dress for the Kentucky Derby. (laughs) And it made you happy, didn't it? (laughs) It totally did. I'm like, I don't think I would have ever necessarily picked this, but now that I have it, I'm like, oh, I like this. And yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a, it is a happy color, right? There, (laughs) you know, it's the sunsets and sunrises and, um, you know, just fun things. Exactly. As you are working right now, you have an, string besides Klaus that are doing extremely well. And you've also produced several five-star horses. What do you like about producing horses yourself? Do you usually like to have them and start them when they're young and kind of train them up yourself? And what does that process look like to you to really ensure that they can be performing at their best and they can have long and healthy careers? So I, I do love bringing horses along I find that so rewarding, um, like bringing riders along. It's, it's, they can so blossom um, given the right path. And I always feel like my job with either horses or riders, I say my, my job every day with my horses is I'm either educating them or making them stronger, right? And then I was thinking about it, I'm like, well, it's exactly the same with riders, you're either educating them or making them stronger. So to circle back to Hell Week, that's that does both. It both educates and makes riders stronger. So the art of producing horses, I like doing it. My I like doing it because then you know I'm a very patient person because I think that is the only way to do it. You can't rush anything if you force or rush you're going to be set back anyways, mm-hmm. right? Like, like you're going to be set back anyways. You, you know, something is going to happen that's going to make you take time. And I know this intimately well um, from having it happen to myself with um, injuries when I was younger because I tried, I was going to work harder than anybody and I was going to, you know, do more than anybody. And I tried to force things right? and the world sets you down and says, nope, not going to happen. Right. So, and I've done the same with horses in my life. I've tried to bring them along too fast. I've tried to rush them and it doesn't work. So I have been patient enough and stuck around enough that I now know, oh, it is just through every day, right? You are consistent, you are clear, you're um, disciplined that then you know your horses, you have such a partnership with them, they trust you, right? And the sport of eventing, I think with any horse sport, it's like that trust is huge. You can, um, it, it really puts you in that top 1% of, of really good um, is when the horse and rider have that relationship. 
and that is that is a trust with horses it is absolute they they must know that you are doing your best for them because then they're gonna do their best for you and they'll you know going cross country they'll bail you out in a pinch right and they'll mm -hmm. be like i got it don't even worry about it right because you cannot control everything and you cannot be perfect all the time and that's you train them every day so that they take care of you in those moments and they know their footwork they know their balance they're strong enough they've seen it all you've done the the systematic approach to to educating them and to their strength development when i sit on them and i've produced them myself i know how strong they are so i can i feel you know you can feel oh they're ready they're ready to do this or they need more time um like klaus who just did the four short at kentucky um, was qualified to do the five long he just wasn't he's not quite ready right and if i'm patient and i just wait till next year then i i then i know that that will be for his long-term goals those are that is the path that will get him there um and he knows that i will i've never put him in a situation where he wasn't strong enough or educated enough to handle whatever was in front of him that's such a great perspective i think that that's so necessary in the industry in order to really let horses perform when they're ready and be able to peak and have that long career. Absolutely. And it is, it is about that long career, right? Because otherwise you hurt them. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it can, it's, it's, there's a very specific point to that, which is it takes so long to produce these horses. You know, it takes, it, it takes the time it takes and to, to produce any athlete to the highest level, you put that time and effort in, you want to make sure that they have such a base that they will stay sound and stay at the level until they're hopefully 20 years old, right? And if you if you take shortcuts or you do it quick or you ask them to do it before they're ready, you're it's you're limiting their lifespan in the sport. What would you say is something within the industry that you are really passionate about that you feel like other people in the equestrian world either just don't know a lot about or don't talk enough about? I would say it's absolutely my belief that um, horses, that, that, that you can teach a horse absolutely anything, that they are so intelligent and they do want to do what you want them to do so badly. So I think if I, that's what I try and show when I teach clinics anywhere, that's what I try and show absolutely anyone who's interested that, you know, don't, if they don't understand something, it's because they, they literally don't understand. You have to show them, you have to educate them, or maybe you've educated them wonderfully, but they're not strong enough yet to do the level you want to do. So, sure. you know, like they just are not quite strong enough. So be a little patient, right? Or you're actually the, the, what you're asking them to do is not meant for them, right? That can also happen, right? You can, you can say, I'd like to take this horse advanced, but if physically that job is going to be too hard, you're both one, making your life really hard and making that horse's life really hard. So if there's just that, 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 um, that to show people how much 
pride horses take in their jobs. That I think is so important to me, right? So to educate people so that they're aware of that, because I believe horses have a lot of pride in what they're doing and really want to do the right thing all of the time. It really just makes you have that extra level of appreciation and admiration for what they do for us every day. I mean, just having that as the focus that they literally want to do anything they can to please you and understand what you want them to do. And just having that mindset that usually when something doesn't go great, there's either a miscommunication or rider error. You know, I feel like there's so many things. And if you can really approach your own riding that way, I feel like that is um, so much more, you know, healthy for the horse, healthy for your relationship with the horse and riding in general. Absolutely. There's always a reason. There is always a reason for anything that happens. There is a reason. So it's, it's that interest level of figuring what out what that is. Mm-hmm. So take your own pride and ego out of the way, which is hard to do sometimes, right? And have an open mind and, and figure it out is, you know, that you're, you're only going to, um, make your horse more competitive, make your relationship better, you know, be, and end up being more successful in the long run. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with me. And I have had so much fun kind of learning about how you started and how you got to where you are today. And I just wish you all the best. And I'm so excited to just continue to watch your journey. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.